Well, here it is once again. It's time to go inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Sabalero, and just before I came on and started to record, I went to a SoundCloud that hosts the Inside EMS podcast, and we have now gone close to 760 downloads for the shows, and here's the man that makes it possible, my good friend, Kelly Grayson. KG, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good, man. 760 or 760,000? 760,000. Ah, 760. that's better. Yeah. I was like, woohoo! We're, we're, we're three quarters of the way to 1,000. Hot dog. I know. That's right. <laughs> How about that? But uh, that's that Cajun math, I guess, that's coming. But uh, <laughs> That's right. We see about uh, 5,000 downloads a week, about 800 or so uh, a day. And, you know, that's that's pre- very respectable. That's right? yeah. I think that is pretty, pretty good. good and uh, very, very excited about it. So, Kelly, you know, one of the things that I think is really uh, important in our field is that we have a lot of social media sites that talk about, mm-hmm. um, you know, different advice. You know, I'm starting paramedic school or I'm starting EMT school. What advice do you have? Or I'm getting ready to take my national registry. What advice do you have? And you know, it seems that, you know, regardless of the question, there always seems to be new advice that comes up, you know, from mm-hmm. different people. And really, some what of, ca- and some of it's really, really bad advice. You know, but the challenge is, is that people who are accepting that advice don't know that it's really, really bad advice. But anyway, so one of the things that we thought would be good today is to talk about, you know, the interview. You know, when you go yep. on an interview, what's some of the things that, you know, you need to think about. And I think we're going to dish about that a little bit. And then as, as a fun little role about mid-show, we're going to switch gears. And Kelly is going to be the interviewee, and I am going to be the interviewer. And we're going to kind of see how that flows. But, uh, you know, Kelly, I think from the beginning part of this process, you know, I'm sure you've been on a lot of interviews. I've been on a lot of interviews. Mm-hmm. And when you, what do you think is the top tips? You know, if we're going to think about the three or five tips that we can give somebody, what's one of the first tips that you give them into uh, how they're going to prepare or be ready for that interview of a of an organization they really want to work for? Uh, I think they need to research that organization first and foremost, and come into the interview prepared knowing something about the agency they propose to work for. Uh, that does two things. Uh, it gives the the prospective employee uh, an, an eyes open view on on the situation that they're they're uh, getting themselves into. Uh, and it also impresses the interviewers if you know something about the agency. You, you know, when you were when you were running Christian Hospital EMS, uh, w- wouldn't it have impressed you to see a potential employee come in who knew quite a bit uh, about Christian Hospital EMS before he ever walked in the door uh, and, and was prepared for that interview to talk intelligently about your system and, and, and what he could bring to the table? You know, I think that that's a really good point. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, you have to, you know, when you talk about, I really want to be part of this organization, you know, the question usually is why. And, uh, you know, well, I usually ask the question, what is it that made you apply to this organization? And that's where I think that knowledge would be really, you know, uh, interesting is that, um, you know, if they did have that. Uh, if they did have that uh, knowledge to say, this is what I know about Christian Hospital, this is what I know mm-hmm. about, 
you know, this is what I know about Acadian. Uh, so I think that that's really a good point. Yeah. Uh, another one that I think is really good is to put your best foot forward. Now, you don't have to know everything there is to know about EMS when you walk into that agency. What you're trying to do is, you know, you're trying to sell yourself into that organization. And remember that one of the things that's happening here is that the organization needs to invite you into it. They need you yeah. just as much as you need them. Mm -hmm. And what you need to now try to think about is finding that fit that you can say, I could be part of this organization. When you think about developing a culture, you know, one of the first steps is, is known as organizational socialization. And there are four steps to organizational socialization. And the first step is the anticipation of wanting to be part of that agency. So as an interviewer, when you sit there, you know that these folks want to be part of that agency, and you need to be able to sell your agency to them as well. Kelly, you said mm -hmm. it very well, know something about the agency, but on the other side of that coin, from the interviewer side, you need to sell that agency to that person as well. And I think yeah. we forget that in an interview, but anyway, I digress into that. So. I want to go back to, you know, what you need to do to prepare is be yourself. You don't mm -hmm. have to be anybody else. This isn't about egotism. This isn't about having all the knowledge. This isn't about, you know, that, uh, um, you know, that you need to be able to prove to them that you're going to be the best employee in the world. The biggest thing that I, I think when it comes to an interview, Kelly, is that people are putting their best foot forward and hiding their true intentions. We don't, yeah. we don't know who's going to be a problem employee. We don't know who's going to be a cancer to the organization. Because when they come in there and sit there, they're telling you what you want to hear. And that's why I say when you walk in there, be yourself. You know, give them, you know, give them good personality. And, uh, you know, let the chips fall where they may. I think to, to a certain extent, the, the fact that there is such a, a personnel shortage in EMS, uh, you know, and I still adhere to the, uh, to the, uh, idea that, uh, there's really not a personnel shortage. There's just a shortage of people who are willing to work for crap wages and, in in bad working conditions. Um, but that works for the prospective employee. You can, everybody needs medics and EMTs. Everybody is shorthanded. You can shop around for the best deal and the best position for you. Uh, th there is no need to come to, to come to an employer with your hat in hand, say, please, sir, may I have some more? Uh, you can you can actually pick and choose what agency you would like to go to if you are flexible enough that you're you're willing to drive a little bit or, or willing to move. You can find the right situation for yourself. Um, well, but, let me let me add, let me add on top of that because there are there are some agencies that have good employee retention that have good employee and recruitment. They, the best it, ones do exactly, and it may be difficult to get into those agencies. When I worked at MedStar in Fort Worth. Uh, everybody wanted to become part of MedStar and it was difficult mm -hmm. to get through the interview process to be part of them. So really it does bring your A-game. So I agree with Kelly is that there is a shortage in EMS and that you have the opportunity to pick and choose. But when you get to those premier agencies, you know, when, when yeah. we talked about Christian Hospital, when I was there, we had about a 4% attrition rate. 
we had a list of about 50 or 60 people who wanted to become part of our organization. And it was because of the reputation that those folks, mm -hmm. those fine folks developed there. Um, so sometimes shopping around is a great uh, piece of advice, Kelly. Other times you've got to be able to make sure that you're bringing the A game to be the best that you can be to get into some of those premier organizations. But those those premier organizations, to stay on that tack just briefly, those premier organizations are usually not hiring uh, from the same talent pool that everyone else is hiring from. They, they're, uh, they're not hiring the new grads straight out of school unless it's, you know, from their own academies, uh, that sort of thing. They're, they're, they can pick and choose as well. But among that second tier, there are plenty of options available, and you don't have to stop at the third, uh, start out at the third tier dialysis fraud outfit is what I'm saying. You know, there are plenty of, uh, of options available for you, but you mentioned the, the, the key earlier, you said, just be yourself. Uh, you can put your best foot forward, but don't, uh, don't sell with, you know, and create false expectations of, uh, of the type of medic EMT or employee that you, you just can't be. Um, but I think if you choose the agency that you, you apply at uh, carefully, um, that's a fairly easy thing. Someone that will let you be yourself and, and grow within that agency. But I think probably the biggest attributes, personal attributes that you can showcase uh, in an interview is integrity and enthusiasm. Uh, you really want to to project the idea that that you are honest and above board uh, with in your dealings with patients, customers, and yourself, um, and that you are eager to to uh, to get started and grow within that agency. Uh, Nancy Nancy uh, says this very well. Um, she says, "Hire for attitude, train for ability." I think people make too much of their uh, uh, of the importance of experience uh, in an interview. Um, when, if you're using MedStar, for example, uh, or one of those top tier agencies, quite a few of those hiring managers know the reputation of the other services that you worked at and where you're going from. And quite frankly, uh, the reputation is not often a favorable one. Um, so it's more about your attitude than how many years you spent doing shuttling dialysis patients back and forth, uh, or, or how screwed, uh, how long you spent in whatever screwed up agency you came from in the first place. Uh, I think the integrity and the, the enthusiasm part, uh, far outweighs experience. What do you think? No, I think that you're absolutely right. I mean, there are going to be things that I can count the number of times where I've asked the questions to somebody that they don't know the answers to. And they've tried to uh, um, uh, BS it. Yeah, I was trying to be a little bit more politically correct in that. If they can't dazzle you with brilliance, baffle you with BS. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but uh, but that's where that comes in. You know, I have been on a job interview and I've been asked a, a, a question that a clinical question, and this is in, in the old days of, of you know trying to get jobs as a paramedic. And I didn't know the answer to it. And I said, sir, I have to be honest with you. I don't know the answer to that question, but I promise you on my first day here, I'm going to know it better, you know, better than I do today. Um, Great answer. You know what I mean? And, um, but, but that's one of the things that, and you even need to add for that. You know, I don't know everything there is to know about EMS, but every day is a learning opportunity. So I think integrity is very important. I, I want to talk about, I want to talk about your appearance as well. Uh, there have been mm -hmm. people that have come to my office for an interview that have worn shorts, that have worn flip flops, that have worn uh, that have worn jeans. 
that have worn three-piece suits. Now, I, I think, do you have to be in the three-piece suit realm? Do you have to be in the shirt and jacket realm? I think if that's where your comfort level is, you can do that. But if you come in with a, with a nice pair of slacks, you know, if you come in, you know, with a, a business casual look with a shirt with no tie, um, or if you feel comfortable in a tie. But remember what, what you know, what we're kind of talking about here. You want to put your best foot forward, and your best foot forward isn't something that you're not comfortable in. When you have to take that, you know, go to Sunday meet and close out, you know, when you mm -hmm. talk, of, you have that one suit that's in the back of the closet that you pull out, and, and you hope that it fits when you finally put it on, you know, that's not some of those things that you're comfortable in, and it comes across that way. And when you see these people who are wearing clothes that they're not comfortable in, it doesn't give them the comfort during the interview that they're doing their best work and talking about themselves. So, again, be yourself. Dress according to how you feel good and comfortable. Maybe that's a pair of slacks. Maybe that's a shirt. Maybe that's a tie. Maybe that's a jacket. But uh, don't put yourself in a position where you know that you're sitting there and you're uncomfortable in your clothes because it's going to come across very, very, um, very, very uh, loud that you're not comfortable in those clothes. Yeah, you know, the, the, the old saying is you dress for the job you want. Uh, I can't follow, you know, following that advice led me astray because, you know, I want to be Batman. So uh, showing up as Batman at the interview didn't work out well. <laughs> but um, I think. I think a tangential thought on that is is simply uh, convey the attitude that you take pride in your appearance, and and if if taking pride in your appearance means that you wear a jacket and a tie, uh, then then rock on, do that. Uh, if taking pride in your appearance means that you show up in a pair of uh, of pressed and non wrinkled five eleven tactical pants with highly polished tactical boots and a nice polo, then then do that. Um, but, but above all show that you take pride in your appearance, um, clean shaven, or at least if you're, your beard or goatee, uh, neatly groomed, plain and simple, but you know, at the very least pride in your appearance and, and neatly groomed. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to, you know, that someone's going to look askance at you if you come in and you've got a piercing or a tat, uh, the, the, values and the, and our standards have shifted in that regard. Uh, you may find some old folks that, that uh, um, are still going to look askance at that, and maybe that's not the best agency for you if that's the case. Uh, but let's, let's, above all, pride in your appearance. Yeah, let's jump on that too. And, and from, the, from the female professional side as well, there are some agencies that have policy, you know, that talk about hair color, that talk about, you know, fake nails, that talk about piercings in the nose and, and some of those things and, and if you don't know those policies and you go in there and you have those piercings it could automatically put you on the bottom side of that interview now I'm not one that advocates that we need to be someone that we're not um, but I I have my ears pierced and uh, you know I, I had a very very horrible lesson in wearing my earrings when I shouldn't have worn them and it, it cost me a little bit of reputation. And, um, you know, so if it's a job that you want to have and you have a piercing that you don't know how it's going to fit into the organization, it's best not to, you know, if, if the agency means that much to you that you want to be a part of it and mm -hmm. you're not compromising who you are, um, you probably want to remove those as well. So, Kelly, I think we gave, you know, some really good advice mm -hmm. on, 
you know, what it looks like and how you should prepare. How about if we do a little mock interview? Let's rock it. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and play the role of the interviewer. You're going to play the role of the interviewee. We don't know uh, each other's position uh, as nope. far as uh, how we're prepared for this. You know, I, I, I know you're um, uh, just from the side that we said we're going to do this. So um, we'll, we'll take it from you coming in the office and, and uh, taking a seat, and we'll kind of go from there. All right, let's do it. All right, here we go. So, uh, Kelly, I want to thank you for coming to our agency and, uh, you know, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with a little bit of the history. I think the first question that I want to ask you is, why did you want to apply for uh, ABC EMS Agency, and uh, what do you think you could bring to our organization? First, let me thank you for your uh, for the time and, and the opportunity to, to speak to you, Mr. Sotolero. Um, uh, the reason I applied at, at ABC EMS is simply because from my research, you guys seem to have the, uh, the most uh, progressive protocols. Um, you, your, your trucks and your employees look sharp, and that seems to be the, the kind of organization I want to be a part of. So, you know, as part of our agency, you know, we have a vision and, and it's important mm -hmm. that we walk towards that vision every day. And our organization does want to be successful, Kelly. So I, I think as you now come into this organization, kind of help us to reach success. How do you define success? Um, I define success as personal growth and the growth of the people around me. If I can uh if i stay at your agency 20 years and 20 years down the line i'm a more compassionate clinically proficient knowledgeable paramedic uh than i am today then then that will have been a success but also whoever i work with and, and impact along the way uh from patients to partners if they are better for my being here then then i'm going to define that as success as well well part of that success really kind of deals with accountability you know, we have a mm -hmm. playbook, you know, our, our policy manual, we have protocols, you know, we have procedures, and those are things that you're going to need to be able to fit mm -hmm. into as part of the organization. I mean, we want you to be able to feel like this organization is yours. We want you to feel that growth that you're able to do that. But, uh, you know, as we march towards this success, I'm going to need to hold you accountable. What's the best way that you like to be held accountable to all the expectations that we have to work with here? Uh, personally, I, I, uh, I believe that, that if you have an issue with my performance or something I did, um, if you address it with me directly, I'm a big boy. I can handle criticism. I can, I can even handle, uh, handle discipline and, and strive to do better in the future. What I, what I, I dislike are, are agencies and leaders that kind of want to police you secondhand uh, or delegate, uh, delegate disciplinary tasks. If you had an issue with, with something I did, um, the, the best way to approach it with me is to address it with me directly when it happens, and I will, I will strive to correct the behavior. I have a counter question for you, sir, if I might ask one. Um, I, I've looked at your protocols. A good, a good friend of mine um, works here, and, and uh, he, he gave me a peek at your protocols. And for the most part, uh, like I told you in the beginning of the interview, I find you, you guys are pretty clinically progressive. There are some things that in your protocols that I don't necessarily um, I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, um, it's not that uh, that um, I'll I'll not follow them. Uh, I'm wondering what is your your uh, your agency's your and your medical director's attitude on 
uh, on suggestions uh, from within the agency on, on how to advance and how to approve? Or do you have an open door policy toward toward uh, adoption of new protocols and, and, and maybe uh, changing your, your clinical guidelines, and your policies and procedures? How welcome are you, are, are you from uh, to that input from your employees? Yeah, I think that that's a very interesting question. And of course, you know, our medical director gives us the opportunity to work under his medical license to deliver the, the highest quality of patient care that we can. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no secret that uh, EMS providers are, are the PAs in the field, and we're just not really recognized as that, but we know that to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, so our medical director really kind of works on the evidence-based side of delivering those best protocols that he or she uh, thinks is going to be best in handling their patients. Now, he is very, very open to listening to the challenges that protocols may have or trying to get an understanding of um, you know what you think about those protocols. Once a year, he does invite the workforce in uh, to have his as part of his protocol committee. Um, you know, the opportunity to kind of look at those, to kind of talk about best practices, to kind of talk about the skill set of those EMS providers to see if there is uh, anything that is needs to be polished. Of course, we make that as part of the QI process as well. Uh, mm-hmm. He says, you know, what's the, you know, an example would be, you know, what's the intubation success rate? What's the IV success yes, rate? Sir. You know, those types of things. So he takes all that into account. The other thing that he has great input in from the field is pieces of equipment as well. You know, we're not doing, you know, we're not doing this skill or we don't have this piece of equipment. So, you know, it's a long way around your question. uh, You know, do we have an open door policy and are we able to, um, you know, take um, uh, suggestions from the field? Uh, the answer is yes. You know, I, I will. Okay. I will come on top of that to say our protocols are our protocols, mm-hmm. and you know there may be things in them that we don't like or that we have different opinions about, uh, but we do need to follow them and understand. Well, you- and understand yeah. with the medical director that if you are going to have. Um, you know, if you're going to, I don't want to use the word deviate because I don't think that's what we're talking about. But I think that if you have things that you want to be able to uh, work under, that's the understanding you need to have with, with them in their office as well. You know, we're not going to penalize you for saying, you know, this is what I, this is what I thought was going on and this is the way I decided to treat it. But mm-hmm. he does need to have that understanding that that's the relationship that you guys are going to have uh, because, you know, we do have to answer to them since we are working under their medical license. Yes, sir. Well, well, I understand that. That's, you know, when you when you when you sign on the dotted line with an agency and and uh, and enter that employment contract, uh, part of the bargain is is adhering to their rules and policies. I have no problem with that. And that's the way a, an organization should be run. Uh, it's gratifying to know that that. You know that there is some some avenue for uh, for um, uh, updating or or uh, or suggest making suggestions um, uh, to protocols and whatnot. So sure. that so that we're vested in that process. I appreciate that. You know that's really all I can ask for, and and that answered my question very well. Thank you. Sure. So let's get back to you then. So uh, you know I'm really interested as an EMS provider. You you have experience here. What are your, mm-hmm. What is your strength as a provider? I mean, so when you think about you, one of the things that we need to be able to do is we need to be able to think about your professional and your personal growth. You know, you come to us with a set of skills, and we want to be able now mm-hmm. to help you get to that next level of your clinical care. So what are your strengths? 
Uh, I would say that I'm, I'm clinically intuitive. Uh, I, I have a knack for uh, determining what's, uh, what's wrong with the patient, uh, a fairly decent diagnostician, and, and I have a knack for, for at least understanding uh, at some level what, what's going on with the patient uh, pretty quickly. Um, I'm also uh, good at managing uh, my crews and, and uh, fostering a, a working relationship with my partners and, uh, and trusting them to do the job uh, to the best of their ability. Um, uh, I get along well with, uh, with EMT partners or with other paramedic partners. I kind of approach my job with, uh, with uh, my ego put in the uh, shelved away on a box somewhere because it's about patient care rather than, than uh, what makes me feel gratified as a paramedic. Uh, and, and to that, uh, and, and in that regard, uh, I use my EMTs for everything that an EMT, uh, can be allowed to do at your agency. I, I think that, that, um, that patient care is a team approach, uh, and it makes no sense, uh, to have one member of the team, uh, standing there passively waiting for orders. So, uh, you know, that, those are my strengths, uh, uh Clinically, um, I can fall down a flight of stairs and accidentally intubate five people on the way down, but I also know when not to intubate people. Um, so uh, that's probably my one of my biggest clinical strengths is my airway management skills. So with with the good always comes the bad. So we know that mm-hmm. what your strengths are, and, and hopefully you never have to fall down the stairs and intubate people accidentally. Because <laughs> if I'm on the stairs, I may uh, have a little bit of challenge with that. But so with that said. Um, how about your weaknesses? So when we think about your clinical care and we want to be able to help that grow, where do you find the challenges in your clinical care? Um, well, to be honest, uh, sir, my, my, my mind, uh, mouth filter is, is sometimes deficient and sometimes things come out of my mouth that, uh, that felt good to say that weren't necessarily the right thing to say. Uh, that's not to say that, that I'm, uh, I behave or, or speak inappropriately to people, but, uh, I don't suffer fools gladly. And sometimes we have to deal with people that we consider fools and, and my customer service aspect, uh, in that regard, uh, um, is okay. I don't have a, I've, I've never gotten a complaint from a patient, but I have gotten complaints from, from coworkers, uh, and sometimes some, some staff at the hospitals, uh, that my, uh, my, um, uh, conversations from them were a little snider than they should have been. Um, uh, but I think if you, if you check with my supervisors at my previous employer, uh, all, uh, any of the times that they had to speak to me about that sort of thing, uh, they were satisfied with, uh, with the steps I took to resolve that issue. Okay. Fair enough. I think just one final question I, I have for you is, uh, tell me everything you know about magnesium sulfate. Uh, well, magnesium sulfate is, uh, is, uh, primarily a smooth muscle relaxant. Uh, it works fairly well as a kind of a third line adjunct in status asthmaticus. Uh, it, it really is not uh, a drug of choice for using, uh, mag sulfate in, as a first line, uh, agent for treatment of, of, uh, you know, uncomplicated bronchospasm. But there are some research out there that shows that mag sulfate, uh, limits, uh, hospital stay, uh, in, in the cases of, uh, severe status asthmatic. It's also, uh, a fairly potent tocolytic agent for, for women in, in preterm labor. Um, and, uh, and also, uh, integral in the, in the, uh, treatment of, uh, eclampsia as well. Do you have any questions for me, Kelly? 
yes, sir. I, I um, wonder what kind of uh, uh, what the what the pay scale starts with. I have an idea from uh, speaking with some of your uh, some of my friends who who work here. But uh, is there a uh, is there an experience premium? Um, do you pay extra for certifications? And and uh, um, I guess we're at the point where where uh, we we talk salary um, and and come to a mutually a mutually disagreeable number. Because <laughs> because you're not going to like what I ask for, and I'm probably not going to like what you offer. So so let's see if we can find a mutually disagreeable number uh, that that we can both live with. Is that how you would really approach that? I would laugh when I say it. Yes, but but you know I would kind of approach it humorously. Interesting. So that, that's that's the uh, the mark of a good compromise is that nobody is is happy with it. <laughs> I guess you're right. But so, you know, I, I think, you know, you're that's the best answer of magnesium sulfide. I used to love to answer that question, yeah. especially the people who I thought were being a little egotistical. And uh, I would come up with something like that that would kind of put them back into the humble seat of, uh, you know, of uh, I don't know everything there is to know about EMS, yeah. something obscure that I would, would come out. I would also I would also add that, that magnesium sulfate as an antiarrhythmic is 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 useful for torsades. Only if you don't have to show off. You don't have to show off anymore. Uh, which torsades is quite often caused by things other than low magnesium levels. So yeah. So I, I think that you know you, you never know what's going to happen inside an interview. No. I think one of the things that we wanted to do was just kind of give a little example of kind of what some of those uh, you know answers and questions may look like. And one of the things that I wanted to be able to do was try to give you, uh, from an interview standpoint, some of the things that I think would be important for me to know. And yeah. uh, I, I think you had good answers. There were some answers that gave me an eyebrow raise that said, hmm, I don't know about that one. But uh, but I think, you know, from our standpoint, you know, you just got to go in and, and all the tips and things that we talked mm -hmm. about, Kelly, and, and give it your best effort. But what do you think? Uh, I think so as well. And you know, I, I try to approach the interview uh, just as I would with with any interview at this stage in my career. Um, and the reality is that when I go apply at an EMS agency, generally, I'm pretty much a known commodity. Uh, you Google my name and, and you're going to get many, many hits. And and some of those hits are not going to be real flattering to me. I'll, I'll be quite honest. Uh, sometimes my social media persona is a little more uh, scatological than it than it is. Uh, it could be otherwise, and and my uh, my Jiminy Cricket that I live with uh, constantly chides me on that sort of thing. But but uh, at this point in my career, I am who I am. Uh, so uh, and and at my current employer, they knew that going in, and it wasn't a deal breaker for them. And 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 uh, my my uh, trepidation about coming to work for Acadian wasn't a deal breaker for me, and it's been a good relationship uh, uh, ever since. When you are a new employee. Uh, that is speaking of social media. When you are a prospective uh, employee at an agency, one of the first things you really need to do is go scrub your social media profile and make sure that that the things on there reflect well on you as a potential employee. Uh, if you don't think you should have to do that, well, then be prepared uh, to have prospective employers look at it differently uh, and be prepared to walk away. And, and hopefully you will find an agency where that sort of thing doesn't matter. But uh, I don't think you're going to do uh, you're going to easily find one. But, hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. What are some of your tips 
for interview success when you're looking for a new job in EMS. If you're a hiring manager, if you're a, a supervisor or an ops manager, what are the things and the character traits that you look for in an interview with a prospective new employee? We'd love to hear those thoughts at the show at EMS1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and co-host Chris Civilero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS, guys. We're going to catch you next week.